Good morning, E3. I'm Pastor Lori. Welcome to uh, church this morning. Welcome to our last week of the series that we've been in called Therefore, where we've been taking a look at the values of our church, the guardrails that help keep us focused on our mission and our vision. Through this series, we've talked about our values of embracing a life of perpetual growth, of having a posture of humility, of trusting God to lead and provide for us while we also trust others to bring their best. We've looked at the value of intentional design where we explored why excellence matters to God and the reason we must find the way that we have been uniquely gifted to serve. We've talked about what it looks like to make room for others and to live authentic lives with each other and within our community. And finally, last week, we talked about the value of experiencing and displaying grace in all things. Now, if you've noticed, we have started each week with a very short statement, and it says this, when the Holy Spirit is moving in among and through us, and then we've gone on to discuss the value. The reason that we've done that is because we at E3 believe that these values are the result of and emerge from the Holy Spirit's movement in us and through our community. These values are important to us at E3 because we believe they are reflections of God's character. And we believe that we must follow the leading of the Holy Spirit for us to authentically live these values. But without the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in each one of us, then these values are really nothing more than great marketing statements for our church. We talk a lot at E3 about following the model of Jesus. We do what Jesus did in his life here on earth, and that is absolutely true. Jesus is our standard. But there is also a reason why we were left with the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's because we are all broken and fallen people. Yes, we have been forgiven for our sins through the sacrifice of Jesus, but make no mistake, we are all still sinners who have been given the gift of grace, unmerited favor, while we are still broken. And without the Holy Spirit leading us, we are prone to make wrong decisions. As the old hymn says, we are prone to wander. Without the power of the Holy Spirit leading us, we can take something like striving for a posture of humility and having it actually result in pride. Without the power of the Holy Spirit leading us, then trusting others and believing that they are bringing their best could actually result in us elevating our trust of that person over our trust of God. We are the forgiven people, but make no mistake, we are still broken. And left to our own broken selves, we are more likely to make the wrong decision than the right one. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit and our individual submission to that power, that leading, that gives each of us the strength and the ability to live lives that reflect 
the very character of God. I once heard the, a, a great illustration about the role of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and I want to share that with you. Let's pretend for a moment that I decide I want to become a competitive swimmer. Obviously, I want to do well. So I go out and buy a bunch of books and read everything I can get my hands on about swimming. I watch hours of video footage of the world's best swimmers, but I get in the pool and I still don't swim very well. Sure, I can get from one end of the pool to the other, but I don't have good form or good technique. I have read and watched everything that I could about the principles of swimming, but I still am not a competitive swimmer. So I decide that I should hire a coach. I know from all of my reading and research that one of the very best swimmers in the world is Michael Phelps. So I find and hire Michael Phelps to come and be my personal coach. He spends time with me in the pool, teaching me, breaking down each specific technique. He shows me everything I should and shouldn't do to be an excellent swimmer. I practice and practice we spend countless hours in the pool together and I follow every instruction that he gives me. And at the end of it, I'm still not good enough to be a competitive swimmer. So Michael finally says to me, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna step inside your body and I'll be the one that actually moves your arms and your legs. And as soon as he does that, I become a fast, and formed swimmer with great technique, doing all the right things and winning all the swim meets that I enter. The first part of that story, all of my reading about the right way to swim, that's like the Old Testament, where I can read about all the things that I should and shouldn't do, where I can start to learn about God's story and what life with God can be. The second part of my swimming story is like the New Testament. It's when I'm walking with Jesus and learning who God is by watching what Jesus does. And the last part of my swimming story, that's what it's like to have the Holy Spirit leading me from the inside. Letting the Holy Spirit make the actual movements in my life giving my life completely over to trusting God by following the lead of the Holy Spirit in everything I do. You see, we can have great plans, great ideas, and do them all with really, really good intentions, but without the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, those things will likely fall just short of what God wants or intends for us. Without the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we, as broken and messy people, are just as likely to make the wrong choice as we are the right. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to live lives that reflect the very character of God. A.W. Tozer says this, I don't want the world to define God for me. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal God to me. God is revealing himself to you. He's revealing himself to all of us through the Holy Spirit. My question this morning for all of us is, are we listening 
Before we move into communion, we're gonna spend the next few minutes hearing from more of our E3 community about what these values mean to them. I'd like to ask you to listen to see how you connect with them, the people as well as the values. Hi, I'm Julie May, and when the Holy Spirit is working in me, I experience growth. Growth is something that can take a very short amount of time, and sometimes it feels like it can take forever when it comes to wanting to grow in a certain area of your life. I know that I can look back when I get frustrated and see how far I've come, um, thanks to God, over years, and then still struggle in that same area to be, you know, what I feel like who I want to be. Um, for an example, I definitely have always struggled with people pleasing since I was a little girl. And, um, you know, when I look back, I can see over the last many years how God has helped me to become more faithful and confident and understand that it's okay to not make everybody happy, but it's more important to do what I know is right. And I've been able to make some pretty big decisions that have upset people and that's okay. But I still have other areas where in my life where there are difficult conversations that probably need to be had that I am putting off or am, am a little fearful of. So I think the thing about growth is that it takes your whole life and it never stops. You never get there, which can be really frustrating, but it also makes you feel, makes me feel, um, you know, reassured that as long as I wake up every morning, his mercies are new every morning, and I will have another chance to let the Holy Spirit do something in me to become more like Christ. Hi, I'm Caleb Soper. When the Holy Spirit is moving in me, I experience humility. And what that humility has looked like for me the past couple of years, I would say, has been, been a clear sense of how God sees me and how I should see myself. I've always thought of myself as being a humble person because I think I conflated the idea of humility with having a low self-esteem. I assumed, well, the opposite of humility is pride. And so if I don't think I'm good at anything, I must be humble. But that's created this false humility in me because I always elevate my weaknesses. I'm always like, well, I'm just not good enough at anything I do. Even if I try, it'll never be good enough. And that puts whatever my problem is above God. Because whatever my problem is, is bigger than God is in my life. And I've had to come to this realization that that's not true humility. Um, that is false humility. And, and that's really pride. That's still elevating myself above anyone else or above God, above what other people could be speaking into my life. So the Holy Spirit's been working through me. It's been really learning that there is value in everyone else's opinion and in myself inherently because God can use others. So if I'm feeling prideful, 
like my idea is the best, I need to find the value in what other people are saying. Or if I feel like that nothing can beat this, this if, I, if I'm feeling like I'm just never good enough, I need to find the value in what God has. I need to humble myself and lower my own opinion so that God can have his way. Hi, I'm Ricky Overstreet, and when the spirit is moving in me, I experience intentional design. About nine years ago, I had moved back to Tallahassee and was just starting grad school at FSU. I was teaching, I was taking classes, and I was kind of lost about what I wanted to do with my life. I remember one day at E3, someone came up to me and told me that they thought I would be really good at serving as a leader in senior high. And my first thought was, nope. I could not see myself teaching teens, and that just did not seem like a spiritual gift that I had. The more I thought about it, though, and prayed about it, I realized that everything in my life had kind of equipped me for that moment. I realized that I was really passionate and had a heart for young adults, and that my own experiences in youth group had left me feeling like I never wanted teens to feel like I did, disconnected, lonely, left out, and not able to ask the, the questions they really wanted the answers to. I also had the time and the resources to be able to teach in senior high. So eventually, after months and months, I finally said yes, and I served in senior high for seven years. This experience helped me realize that God blesses each of us with many spiritual gifts, and that the time, resources, and talents we are given are not static. Our mission in life is not to unlock the one magical spiritual gift we have and to use it to serve others, but to stay open to the ways God wants to use us in each season and in each moment of our lives with the time, with the resources, and with the passions we have in that very moment. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, I'm Karen Gibbons. When the Holy Spirit is moving in me, I experience trust as something I don't have to understand. When I was a young child and I was reading stories about God, to me, he seemed very trustworthy because I could understand that God was almost like Superman. He was powerful. Seemed pretty straightforward. Later on, when life got harder and harder things were happening, like when my mom died when I was 24, I couldn't understand that. I didn't understand a God who would allow something like that to happen to me. And later on, I was reading in the book of Ezekiel. And in chapter 24, God tells Ezekiel that he is going to take the life of his wife away that night and that he didn't want Ezekiel to cry about the loss of his wife because he wanted to make a point to the Israelites. And I thought, I can't understand that. How can God do something like that? And how can I trust a God who would ask his friend, his prophet Ezekiel, to do something so, so difficult? I think that over time, even though I don't think that I understand God more, I've definitely been able to see how taking all of my questions directly to him 
and reading more and more about him in the Bible has shown me that I don't have to understand to trust him, that God is mysterious and huge and has powerful, mighty things for the future and his ways and the things that he's doing that are way, way beyond my understanding. And so it seems like trusting is much easier if I don't try so hard to understand. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, I'm Mary Coffey. When the Holy Spirit is moving in me, I experience making room. I experience making room in how I perceive the world around me and how I consider and judge the choices and behavior of others and myself. And ultimately, I experience making room in how I feel about others and how I choose to respond to them. When the Holy Spirit is moving in me, I more readily make allowances and room for my sisters and brothers in Christ, extending to them the benefit of the doubt and a presumption of good intentions, even when others' opinions or certain aspects of their words or choices might be interpreted otherwise. The intercessor makes room in me to look further into the hearts and understanding of others with a desire to see the truth and encourage reconciliation and unity in the body of Christ. I can make room for the possibility of different perspectives and experiences. The helper makes room in me for God's priorities and character in situations where my own reflexes and reactions might be drastically different and closed off. Our comforter makes room for me to accept the invitation of the creator of the universe, calling me to be his representative of love and grace in circumstances that otherwise stir up strong feelings to be a fierce defender of my own purposes and desires and sometimes my own character and security. When the Holy Spirit is moving in me, I experience God making room in my heart and renewing my mind to better know and love and honor Him and therefore better care and bless and extend His love to all of His children. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, my name is Yen Bailey. When the Holy Spirit moves in me, I experience authenticity. Being authentic is something that I struggle with. As a type 9 Enneagram, um, a, a peacemaker type, I hate conflict. And so oftentimes I feel like I'm being pulled in different directions when I'm with people who have conflicting views. Um, because I'm afraid to upset people and say the wrong thing. So I've really come to value surrounding myself with the right people and, and finding a community that I can be authentic with. Um, I feel like I've been really blessed to find a growth group where um, these are people who 
will speak truth into my life and who will share their wisdom with me, but who I don't have to fear being honest with. And um, I have been able to build deeper relationships with them through the authenticity. And um, through that, I have found the courage and the strength to um, be authentic with wider groups of people. Good morning, E3 family. I'm Dan, and I get to speak about grace today. And when I think about grace, I think of grace in two ways. One, my relationship with God and just how much I know owe to God. And two, my relationship to other people and how that grace that I've received should reflect to others. And that makes me think of this chapter in Matthew, chapter 18, the end of the chapter. There are these two servants, and one servant goes to his master. He owes this massive debt more than any of us could ever pay. And he just gets face down and begs his master to forgive this debt that he owes. And the master does forgive it. And then the same servant goes to one of the other servants who owes him a tiny amount of money and chokes him and says, pay me my money and throws him in jail and won't forgive him. And I think of the way the master responds to this first servant. One, in true grace, but two, uh, the picture changes when the master sees how he responds to this other servant. So when I think of grace playing out in my life, I think of this day-to-day -day challenge, uh, not just of accepting grace, which is important for us to do to have that grace, but also that we give grace to others, even for the comparatively tiny debts, as hard as it can be sometimes. As we close out this series, we're going to move into a time of communion. We believe that there is no better way to close out a series like this one, this series about the church and how we are called to live than by coming to Christ's table to remember and enter into his story, his life, his sacrifice, death, and resurrection. In every way, the table reminds us that Jesus' story pointed towards these values. It reminds us that Jesus himself extended grace to all of us in the most radical of ways. That Jesus wanted to see us grow to make it possible to become more like him. He provided us with a pattern, an intentional design for life in this world together. One of self-sacrifice, care, and love. He made room for everyone, regardless of tribe. He sought to free us to live authentic lives, liberated from guilt and shame. He showed us what true humility looks like. God making himself a servant for others. He made it clear that God can be trusted. But I also believe the table reminds us what it takes to maintain these values. What we as individuals and as a community must do when we fail to give grace and when we are complacent and fail to keep growing. When we take for granted the people and resources God has gifted to us and fail to honor them with how we use them intentionally and purposefully. When we fail to make room for others through invitation, diversity, or hospitality. When we hide the truth of our lives from ourselves and others and fail to live authentic lives. 
when pride and arrogance replace Christ-like humility, and we forget that we are called to serve, not to be served, and when we fail to trust God and each other, seeking control over surrender. These things are bound to happen. God knows that they will happen. He knows we will at times fall short. We will forget and we will break these values that there will come moments when we fail to live as Christ did and as he calls us to. But we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us back to that right path. And the table reminds us as a community that we can respond to those moments of forgetting and falling short differently than the world would tell us to. That we can own our shortcomings without shame and without fear, and we can bring our brokenness and failures to the altar of grace. And that story, that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is what lets us maintain and live into these values, to learn them, to practice them, to let them define us and shape us and make us the church, a unique community in the world shaped by this table the necessary therefore of Christ's story. So with that, let us remember and participate in Christ's meal, story, and sacrifice. For those of you who have supplies for communion, I invite you to serve one another during this last song. For those that don't, I would just invite you into a space of remembering and reflection. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. God, continue to pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we, we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Amen. Amen.